Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Good morning. My name is Mark Pearson. I'm the student minister out in Louisville. It is a pleasure to be out here at Argyle. Um, and we've been in our sermon series, Ecclesiastes, from vanity to purpose. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Ecclesiastes. We'll be in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 today. We're going to continue going through this sermon series. And so as you saw when we started, if you were here just to catch up, uh, it started with the preacher. That was Solomon, King Solomon, talking about everything is vanity. Vanity is a vanity. All is vanity. And everything is meaningless. Our life is a, a smoke. It's a vapor that we're trying to grasp in our hands, and we cannot do it. Uh, and then two weeks ago, we talked about wisdom and philosophies and how we try to wrap our brains around reality, but even living wisely is vanity. And then last week, we spoke about uh, toil, that, that our, there's vanity in our toil, in our work, and how life is meaningless without God who gives us meaning. And so today, we're going to be talking about time. And so we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 through verses 1 through 8, and I'm going to read it right now, God's Word says this, chapter one or chapter three, verse one, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. And a time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. This is God's word. And our sermon title for today is God's Grace in Time. God's Grace in Time. And so as I was speaking with Drayton, uh, the campus pastor out in Louisville, he, was, he said he likes music. So all the songs he could think about in time. And, and all I could think about was all the movies that we have that are based on time. I mean, we are obsessed with time. And so I think of like Back to the Future, right? Back to the Future or, or um, Marvel's Endgame is a new one. That's a, all about time travel or Terminator is, is a time travel movie. And, and we have like really deep, insightful ones or, or, or crazy new sci-fi ones like Interstellar or where they travel through space to go back through a dimension to get to time. Or we have uh, another one called Tenet where they move in reverse time. I mean, like, we are obsessed with time. We, we always have our minds on time. We orient our conversations around time. And it's because we have a problem with time. We have an issue with time. We want to stop time. We, we want to stop our kids from growing up. I mean, we are obsessed with time. And God's word is showing us that God is perfect in his timing. He is perfect in his timing. And the question for us is, do we trust him in it? Do we trust him in his timing? Do we trust him in the season we're in? Or are we looking to him in every season of life? And so as I, as I look at this text, there's three E's that I want to look at. It's like Sesame Street. Today's sermon is brought to you by the letter E. Um, so we have... Everything, we have experience, and then we have exact. And that there is a time for everything. 
a time for everything. There is the experience of time, the experience of time, and then that the gospel is exactly on time. And, and that's what we need to see today. So uh, we'll get right into it. There's a time for everything. And so when we see this text, it talks about there's a time for this and there's a time for seasons. And this is where we get that Christianese, I'm in a season. And we love to, I'm just in a season right now. And, and I'm wondering, are you wishing that you were in a different stage in life? I mean, do you speak that way? You're like, man, I'm just in a season right now and I can't wait to be in this season. I just want to be in, in this season over here where maybe I'm just a little bit more wise or, or I just want to be out of this phase of my life and get into that promotion and get into this season of my life. Or we say that over our kids, like, you know, he's just in a phase, he's just in a weird funk, he's in a season, and we want him to, you know, he'll get out of that season. And we constantly are longing to be out of the season. Is that you today? Like, do you want to be out of the season you're in? You don't want to be where you are in time. Because the way life works is life, life works at a pace. There's a pace to life. And sometimes we can feel stuck in our seasons no matter how time is moving. I mean, sometimes our life is so fast. And it's just going and going and going and going. And, we, and the calendar is just flying off the walls. And, and then sometimes life is slow and it is long and it is dragging you out. And then there's some days where, where it's just, man, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's just a drumbeat. And life is going and it's going and it's going. But through the seasons of our life, through all of the seasons and the paces of our life, there are these giant seasons of time. There are these big seasons of time that we have to look at and we have to know what season we're in. It's good to know what season we're in. And so there's these big seasons, like, like childhood is a season. Childhood, you know, child, ch and children, they don't, they don't know that they're in a season. You know, kids, uh, they don't think about the fact that they're living in their childhood. You don't see eight-year-olds like, Mom and dad, you know what? Childhood, uh, it's flourishing. I'm doing great. And you're crushing it, mom and dad. Like, you guys love me real well. Like, kids don't speak that way. They don't know that they're seasons. They don't know that they're in it. And then there's teenagers who, who, who believe that they are the main character of their story. That is, like, all over TikTok. I'm the main character. And they, they are blinded by the world and everything that's going on, and they're learning so much, but they don't even realize that there's more seasons and they don't realize that there's other people in the world. I mean, they, they think that they are the, own, uh, the main character of their own story. Uh, and that's a season of life. And we should see that. Like, as other people, we should realize what season they're in. And then there's, like, young adults. This is, this is me, right, where I'm, you know, I think I'm busy. Like, uh, young adults, you know, I see it at church all the time in, in, in the world, all my friends. It's like, you know, you get married, you have a dog, and all of a sudden you're the busiest person on the planet. You have a schedule now. And, you know, if this is me. I'm speaking to myself. I'm super busy. I'm literally getting married in like a couple hours today. So I'm like, you know, it's my wedding day. I'm super busy and all this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, but that's me as a young adult. Like, I got to be busy. I'm supposed to be busy. My life is supposed to be busy. And then we get to places where... We get older in age, and we start counting the seasons. We start wondering, how many seasons do we have left? And you hear phrases like, man, I got X amount of summers left. And these are these big overarching seasons, and it's good to embrace the season that you're in. It's good to embrace that season and not try to be in a different season. So as a young adult, you know, I have to remind myself, yes, I'll be busy, but there's times I need to rest. 
And there's also, I have to remind myself that there's a generation out there that I need to absorb wisdom from, that I need to be humble. I need to listen to people who have gone through experiences and have time, and I want to hear them, and I need to be humble to have open ears to those people. And then I also got to grow up and, and not think of myself as the main character and get myself out of that childhood thinking, that teenage thinking. And so it's good to know that season that you're in and to embrace it. And we know this, and we see this all the time. It's like, when you get coffee uh, and the hipster dude has a beanie on in the summer, and you're like, this dude's wearing a beanie in the summer in Texas. He don't know what season he's in, you know. And so we make fun of people like that. But it's good to know what season you're in. Like we don't see babies playing chess. We don't see grandma fighting in the MMA. It's good to know the season you're in. And when you're out of your season, it's comical. We make movies like that. Like uh, there's a movie called Failure to Launch with Matthew McConaughey, right? And he's a 40-year-old man who lives with his parents. And, and same with stepbrothers, Will Ferrell. I mean, it's comical because these are grown men who are, who are not uh, in the right place in the right season. They're grown and they're living at home and they're out of their season and it's comical to us. And we got to see that these big seasons in our life are supposed to have these other seasons that are, that are overlapping these seasons and underlining these seasons and connecting them all together. And we have other seasons in our life that, that are woven carefully. Seasons where we age and we develop and we, we grow in our thought and we grow in maturity. There's, there's seasons of enlightenment where, where, man, truth shines and it changes you. Like I remember when I came to Christ, that 18 months, I mean, my world flipped upside down. That's a season I can look back on and say, man, God was doing something here. I was being enlightened to the truth. And there's seasons of testing that are difficult and there's hard and there's seasons of suffering. And I remember when my mom had cancer, there was that moment, that season that dragged out of, of suffering and, and walking through that season. But, man, there's also season, seasons of fulfillment, uh, seasons of joy and, and passion, and a season of fruitfulness where God is putting blessings on us and, and things are going great and there's success. There's all these kind of seasons, and they're all woven together perfectly. And tragically, tragically, some of us are looking ahead for a future season, trying to live in a season that we're not in right now. And as we live in a season that we're not supposed to be in, man, we grow in anxiety, and we try to live somewhere where we're not. And there's seasons where we want to live in the past, and we want to go back and relive those days, and we're haunted by ghosts. And it's not where it's supposed to be. In Esther, chapter 4, the story of Esther, there's King Ashuerus, and he has a giant kingdom from India to Ethiopia. And Esther is this uh, young lady that he's bringing into her kingdom, and he wants to make her a wife. And he's treating her very awfully. And she has, her parents are gone, and, and uh, Mordecai comes and adopts Esther. And, and the king puts out a decree to, to kill all the Jews in this kingdom. And Mordecai petitions Esther. He goes to Esther and says, you need to say something. You need to go and say something to the king. So he's petitioning her to go petition the king. And when he does, he says this in chapter 4. He says, who knows if you're not here for such a time as this. He said, Esther, your past is, is crazy. I know. You lost your parents. It's been nuts. And the king has treated you wrongly. But he's put out a decree that says that me and my father's household is going to be gone if nothing happens. If this decree holds up, who knows if you're not here for such a time as this. And there's such a time as this for all of us. That God 
has you in the season that he wants you in for his will and for his purpose. And so not only does God have you where he wants you, but God has you when he wants you. He has you right when he wants you. And as we look at the experience of time, as we look at the experience of time in these verses, in verses 1 through 8, we have to see that God brings us through these seasons, and he's sovereign over that. He's sovereign over time. He's sovereign over our seasons. And as we look at this text, it should honestly frustrate us because it does. I think sometimes we go through Ecclesiastes and we're like, this is the poem part that's really nice. I really like this part. But this should be confronting us. And the reason it should is because we like to take this passage, this poem, and what we like to do is we like to change the word and and turn it into but. We like to write our wills into this text and not let God's will speak over us. We look at this text and say, there is a time to dance. I love that. But there's a time to weep, and I don't like that. And so what we say is, while we're weeping, while we're in a tough season, we say, there's a, there's a time to weep. And, but we mean, but there's a time to dance. So you know what I'm doing? I'm just going to be happy. And ignore the weeping. Ignore, ignore what, what season I'm in. And so we try to change it by our own will. There's, there's a, a time to love and there's a time to hate. And so there's a time for us to be loving. And we say, and, but there's a time to hate. And I'm going to hate somebody right now. Let me get my Twitter fingers out. And we're going to hate somebody. And there's a time for war and there's a time for peace. And so sometimes there's a time for us to stand up and fight and hold firm to what we believe in and, and fight a spiritual battle. And sometimes you say, you know what, and, but, there's a time for peace. And we write our wills into this text and we try to be sovereign over our lives and over our time. And so as we go through this, these eight verses, man, let it confront you. Let it, let it confront you on where you are trying to control time. Because verse 1 says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And that is truly saying that time is sovereignly managed by God. God is sovereign over time. He's controlling time. Which means that there, there are no coincidences and there are no accidents. And we love to say that when it serves our purpose. And no accidents. And we love saying that. But when it is on the other side, we are quick to say, man, it was just an accident. It was just a coincidence. And as we look at verse 2, our story begins. This is our lives. So verse 2 says, there is a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. There is a time to be born. We don't get to choose where we're born, when we're born, our parents. We don't get to choose that. And there's a time to die. And, And we are not supposed to choose that either. God is sovereign over life. God is sovereign. And and some of the times we see that and and we're like, man, yes, you know, there's a time to be born. There's a time to die. God's sovereign over time. But we treat it with our attitudes and our wills when responsibilities weigh on us. We come to this point where we we keep clicking that why button. Well, why do I have to do this? Why are they treating me like this? Why is this happening? And really, if we just keep pressing that why button, we're going to end up saying, well, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask to be born. That's truly what we're saying. I didn't ask for this. But God is sovereign in our lifetimes. He's sovereign to bring us in, and he's going to be sovereign when he brings us out. 
In verse 2, it still says there's a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. And that might sound sweet and poetic, but a time to plant means that you're going to have to get dirty. You're going to have to get in the mud. You're going to have to plant something. You're going to have to work it and cultivate it and put water on it. And it's going to take time and you have to be patient. And multiple times in the Bible, when you see that there's a time to pluck up what is planted, that is not a good thing. When, when the Israelites were captive in Babylon, God says, there's a people that I planted and there's going to be a people that I pluck up. And so sometimes your hard work and your effort that you put into something is going to have to be plucked up. And sometimes there are, you could, you could reap the benefits. Sometimes there are moments where we get to enjoy those things. But most of the time, Tim, we're, going to pluck, we're going to pluck things up and it's not going to be fruitful. And it's going to be a waste of our time. But there is a time for that. That we will have both. A time to plant and a time to pluck up. In verse 3 it says, there's a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. And so there is times for restoration in our life. And there's also times for destruction. I think about this when I see people building their dream homes. They're, they're building a beautiful home and uh, three stories and, and, and the pool's getting worked out on the back. And, and that's beautiful. There is a time to build up. There's a time to, to, to restore and bring uh, your, your dream home to life. Yes and amen. But there's also going to be a time where it's destroyed. It doesn't matter how many generations you have who keep that house, there's going to be a time where it ends up like one of those houses when you're going to Lubbock or El Paso and you see that farmhouse on the side of the street that's just destroyed. There's a time for destruction. There is a time for both, and God is sovereign over both. In verse 4, it says there's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. You know, you don't laugh at funerals and you don't cry at weddings. You know, and, and as I look at this text, I'm reminded of, of growing with my church family, coming to Christ, being part of the family, being knitted together in Christ. And more times than none, uh, you're going to weep. As you bear each other's burdens, as you walk with people, as you see people who are mourning and you're, you're knitted with them in Christ, you're going to mourn. There's going to be times where you mourn. And there are seasons where it's time to dance. And God is sovereign over them both. I'm grateful tonight's a, a night where I get to dance. I'm going to dance tonight. That's for sure. Uh, verse 5 says, there's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. So this one's really interesting. There's a, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones is, is this um, thing that they would do in Israel to, to, when you would plot a field, you would gather stones and you'd mark it off and you'd, you'd clear the stones from the field to mark off your field so you could work the ground. And, and so there's going to be a time to gather those stones, but the, the time to cast away stones is also when you would win in war to sabotage someone's land, you'd throw rocks all over their field. Uh, you would, that's a way of, of sabotage. It's almost like ancient day graffiti, right? And, and so they would, they would sabotage a field. And, and truly what this is for us today is there's a time to win and there's a time to lose. All my sports dads out there, hey, there's a time to win and there's a time to lose. Being a coach, I, I remember this, man. There's always going to be times to win, but there's times to lose, and God is sovereign over that too. And that's an opportunity and a time for a lesson that God is sovereign over them both. 
And there's a time to embrace and there's a time to refrain from embracing. And so for us as Christians today, if you're in Christ, man, yes and amen, embrace. Embrace people. Embrace the outcasts. Embrace the people who, who think differently than you. Bring them in. Love them. Yes and amen. And we should be drawn to those people. There is also a time to refrain from embracing. There are moments where, where you have to refrain from embracing. God is sovereign over that. There, there's moments of, of, of abusive relationships where, man, it is time to, to refrain. When, when people can't come under the church and, and the mission, man, it, there's going to be times where there, there, we have to refrain. You know, sometimes you have to, you have to amputate the leg to, to heal the body. And there is a time for that under God's sovereignty. And it's not just one or the other. Verse 6 says, there's a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. And so God in his word has always commanded us to seek him, seek his kingdom and seek his righteousness. And that we would keep his word and keep those commandments. And we'd obey God. There's always a time to seek him. And in doing that, there's going to be moments where there's time to lose lose habits, lose friends, to lose idols in our life. There's going to be times where we're going to have to cast away baggage, things that we've been holding on to forever, things that we won't let go of, that bitterness that you hold hoping someone else is going to die from the poison that you're drinking yourself. Man, there are times where you need to cast that away. And as we seek God and as we try to keep God's word by his spirit, all of this is is to seek him and to keep him and to lose things and to cast away is always to grow in intimacy with him. That we'd seek him in his righteousness. We keep his word. It'd be written on our hearts. And we cast away the things that he's calling us to, that we grow with him and grow in him. Verse 7 says, there's a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. And so when I think there's a time to, to tear and there's a, a, a time to sow, uh, a, to, to tear your garments back then was to grieve, right? It's to be upset with something. Like uh, when Paul and Barnabas are in Lystra and, and they think that there's Zeus and, and, uh, and Hermes and, and, and they're going to sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas and, and they run and they rip their clothes. Like, don't do this. Whatever you do, don't do this. And they're grieving, and there's going to be a time for us to grieve. There's a time for us to be upset. There's a time for us to grieve. There's also a time to sow, to, to, to trust God through his timing and, and to move on in situations in our life. And there's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. And truly, we should be a people of a balanced call. We should be balanced in our words. That there is a time to speak, but there also is a time to be silent. Proverbs 10, 19 says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. And so we should be a people to understand by God's grace, by his spirit, when are we to be people who are silent? Like when you are standing up for your faith and people are dogging you and people are giving you names and people are coming at you left and right and they're saying things about you and you have that urge to defend yourself. You want to defend your decisions. You want to defend your life and it's all about you. Man, there's a time to be silent. There's also a time where we can't be prudent. 
Well, we have to get up and speak, and we should be people who speak the gospel to a dying world, that we should see the need that everybody is a sinner in need of the gospel, in need of Christ and a sacrifice, and there's not a moment where you shouldn't let that from, from coming off of your tongue and preaching to a dying world and speaking life to people. We should be people of, of, of a balanced call, an urgent gospel. We have an urgent gospel for right now. And we should be people of conviction, but we should also be people who move in humility and meekness. We ought to have a balanced call. In verse 8, it says there's a time to love and there's a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And these are the great uh, contrasts of life. There's seasons that you'll move through time of love and a time of hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And these are the great contrasts. And God is sovereign over them all. And to trust God in time and, and through the experience of time is to understand that he sees time outside of time. He has a sky view. He's bird's eye view looking down on time and he's outside of time. Uh, me and my, my brother and my sister, we love this uh, movie called The Prince of Egypt. And in the Prince of Egypt, he sings a song and says, you need to look at your life through heaven's eyes. You need, to look, you need to look at your life from this point of view, bird's eye view. And as we look at our lives from bird's eye view, there should be a comfort in saying, I don't know. And I knowing that I don't know is a good thing. There should be a comfort there for trusting God. It's like if you're in a maze, if you're in a maze, you go into a maze and you don't know how to go out, but hopefully there's an exit and there's a design. And, man, you should be saying, you know what, I don't know, and that's a good thing. I know that I don't know. I'll just figure this out. And speaking of time, I mean, if, if you see something and you don't know and you know it's good, I, what I think about is if, if there's a scientist and he has a blackboard and all these equations are written up on the board, and there's letters in there, and there's Greek symbols in there, and it's three blackboards long. And he's saying, I built a time machine, and it works. I'll look at him and go, I don't know what's on that board, but I know you're smart. Uh, I might trust you. Let's see if it works. But if you see a scientist, and he has a blackboard, and it looks like Sesame Street up there, man, I know what you're doing, and that's a cardboard box. That's not a time machine. You, there's, a, there's a moment where it's good to know that you don't know. And we can move in time because we are in time. We can trust God. But in order to trust God, we have to trust his heart. And what is God's heart in time? What, what is his heart for time? In verse 11 in chapter 3, it says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. And so in order to trust God, you have to see his past performance. Because his past performance is the best indicator for a future performance. His past performance is, a, is the best indicator for his future performance. In Joshua 4, when they, when they cross the Jordan River, God stops the Jordan River. He tells the, uh, the, the priest to pick up 12 stones and put them in, this, in the center of the city. So every time you go to work and every time you go to the temple, you'll see these stones that God brought us out of Egypt. He, he brought us to the promised land. He split the Red Sea. He stopped the Jordan River. God, this is his character. He loves us and he wants to deliver us. That's his character. I, I see that stone. I remember his character. And that's truly how we could trust him in his future performance. And just like the stones that Joshua had, we are to look at the gospel. Because the gospel is right on time. And as you look at the gospel, you won't ask God, why, God? 
it's okay to ask God, why God, why am I in this season? Why is this happening? And, and prayer and respect and saying, God, I trust you through it. But if you're truly looking at the gospel, there will be moments where you don't have to ask God why, but you ask God, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this season of my life, God? I trust you. What's going on? Give me insight. But we won't. We will not ask God, what are you doing? We will not trust God until we see that the gospel was right on time. As we look at this text again, there was a gospel. There was a time for Christ to be born. We came down and took on flesh, and he was born in a manger, and there was a time appointed for him to die for us. There was a time where Christ was to be killed for our transgressions, for, for our iniquities, so that we can be healed. There was a time where his body was broken down, beaten, slain, so that we, so that we can be built up. There was a time where Christ mourned. He lost their fellowship with his father. He lost this infinite dance that he's been dancing with, with his father. Where the father turns his face away and pours his wrath out on his son. And this, this relationship is broken. There was a time for him to mourn so that we could dance. So that we could be empowered by the Holy Spirit to have a, a, a fellowship with God, to, to look like David and dance like fools. We have the opportunity to laugh in his presence. There was a time where Christ was rejected, where the Father refrained from embracing, so that we could be embraced by the Father, so that we could be sons and daughters, clothed in the righteousness of God, that God would put the sovereign ring on us, put the sandals on us, put the robe on us, and kiss us before we could even apologize. He was rejected so that we could be embraced. There was a time when Christ came to seek, where he came to save the lost. There was a time where he kept silent when he was accused, like a lamb to his shearers. When death couldn't hold him, yet he was silent. But he was always vocal about the gospel and the kingdom that he's bringing. And we should be too. We should be too. We should be people who speak the gospel. Because there's a moment where all hatred, all of our punishment, all of God's wrath falls on Christ because he loved us even unto death. He loved us even unto death. His chastisement brought us peace. By his wounds, we are healed. Jesus died at the right time. He told his disciples, we're going to enter into Jerusalem, and the chiefs, the chief uh, priests and the scribes and the Pharisees are going to spit, and spit on the Son of Man and kill the Son of Man, and it happened. And when he was in Jerusalem, he said, destroy this temple, and I will build it up in three days. And in three days, he rose from the grave, and he was right on time. And there is an appointed time that the Father knows where he shall return. And we trust him through it. All he asks of us is to stay awake. And be ready. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 5 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as, son, as sons. 
In Christ, you have access to the Father. You have access to the Father the same way that Esther had access to the king. We have access to God and we can come to him in all of our strugglings, in all of our wonderings, and we can trust him through all of time. There's a time right now where we are to respond to God's word. This isn't a movie. We cannot fast forward. We cannot rewind. We cannot hit pause. And there's a time to respond. Yesterday is gone and we'll never get it back. And tomorrow is not promised. But the work of Jesus Christ demands a response. Either we kill the king or we crown him the Lord of our heart. Repent. Believe in the gospel. Bring it into your heart. Submit control to the king. Because he is sovereign and in control. Trust him. Glorify him. Enjoy him with the time that you have. And you can only do that in Christ. In his redeeming life that gives us life and eternal life with him forever. Who knows if you're not in Argyle, Texas today for such a time as this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good and you are mighty. God, you are holy. God, we trust you through time. Spirit, I pray that you'd be moving in our hearts, that the eyes of our hearts would be open to your hand over our lives, that we trust you through it all. God, I pray that we would submit to your word, that we humble ourselves. And let your word speak over us. God, let us just deny our flesh. Let your spirit move in and, and bring salvation and eternal life for us because of what Christ has done for us. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.